BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I am Tyler Orton, and we are officially in the swing of back-to-school shopping. It's one of the busiest times of year for retailers. But look, there's also a big stress point for a lot of parents out there, maybe those university students who are trying to balance their bills. So why don't we dive into it all? We're going to get into even more retail stuff with Craig Patterson He is the editor-in-chief at RetailInsider.com. Craig, thanks, as always, for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me on today. Alrighty, so back to school shopping. How important is this period for retailers? I mean, I guess it's no Boxing Day or Black Friday, but how important is it? It's actually um, pretty big. Um, I don't know if it's bigger than Black Friday, but it's pretty close. I mean, retailers look at back to school and the... uh, Winter holiday season, including Christmas and whatnot, is being uh, two of the largest, uh, uh, you know, shopping events. I guess you'd say of the year. Uh, I know that Black Friday, whatnot, uh, and, and a few others are coming up uh, the back end. But certainly, this is a huge period for a lot of retailers in Canada right now. So, is parents taking a look at the different options out there? What I'm thinking, though, is what kind of effect are we getting from e-commerce and just the ability for parents to take a look at what is out there versus, I guess, maybe more pressure on those typical brick-and-mortar shops that have long relied on these sales? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I you know I'm in my 40s, so I remember our you know back-to-school shopping was you go to a store, uh, a physical store, of course, and. Uh, buy stuff but now you know i was just looking at some research i think 70 percent of uh, parents are looking at at least doing some of their back to school shopping uh, online uh, that is in canada of course so uh, that doesn't mean they're doing all of their back to school shopping online but certainly a percentage and uh, that's not something obviously that we saw decades past well are there that much more deals going on online. I'm just wondering about what the competition landscape is like for a lot of these e-commerce sites. I, I will just say this, like I, I, if I'm on my app for Amazon, I'm getting blasted with a lot of back to school stuff. I'm not a parent. I'm uh, not a student anymore, way too old at this point. But it is interesting, like how hard they are going with this sort of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of competition right now and retailers really want to get in and create that, I guess you'd say, top of the mind awareness that they're the retailer that you should go to for back to school. Because ultimately, you know, only I, I'm assuming anyway, that parents would only go to a few retailers for back to school. I mean, they're looking for various school supplies, uh, which I think probably involves technology a lot more than it would, you know, the typical pens and pencils and paper and whatnot that, you know, we may have used in decades past. But, uh, you know, certainly I think retailers are really looking to get in on this very, very important sales time. So they're, you know, doing as many promotions as they can. Because I think the average, uh, or the parent is spending an average of $158 per child. Uh, That's, I think, what they're forecasting for um, students uh, in, you know, not university, but in, you know, high school, junior high, elementary. About $200, I think, is uh, what students are expecting to uh, pay for back to school for university. Of course, that does not include, I think, books or tuition, (laughs) which would be much, much, much higher. Yeah, no, believe me, it's those book costs that would get me every September when I would uh, start that new semester. The other thing I do recall when I was a kid, though, is, you know, your your parents, they would... uh, give you a backpack. You you probably have it for three, four or five years. Uh, you'd often inherit hand-me-downs, which is why I was very thankful to be an old, oldest child there. But, you know, if we think about that kind of cheap, chic fashion that, say, H&M is doing, you also can go into stores, buy a backpack for like $10, $20 now. I don't know. Are the trends or what's in demand right now for these students going back to school? Is that changed a lot, the, the way that retailers go about this? 
Yes, uh, I, I think what's really surprising, you know, I think my backpacks when I was in school may have been 15 or $20. Uh, um, you know, I was an instructor at the University of Alberta for a while and still a director there. But uh, what I was really surprised to see was the number of backpacks from brands like MCM. Uh, you know, they're between 800 and $1,200 each, and wow. they seem to be fairly common. And, you know, that to me is very surprising. Again, I, you know, I didn't grow up wealthy enough to, you know, be buying stuff like that. But, uh, uh, you know, we are seeing a polarization in retail where, you know, people are either shopping high end or low end. And I think that would go the same for, uh, you know, students in school is that, uh, you know, brand names uh, are much more well known than they were in the past. Uh, you know, we have a lot of access to information, brands, influencers and whatnot. So even uh, people that say can't afford Gucci, for example, are out buying Gucci uh, and also technology. I mean, you know, we didn't have iPhones and iPads and, you know, high tech computers and whatever else students are using these days uh, for school, uh, as opposed to the old pens, papers and calculators that we may have had in, uh, you know, a generation ago. I just remember it was Jansport. That was a backpack that I had when I was in high school. Like that was the kind of uh, the brand that the kids would want to wear. I, I have no clue what kids are into nowadays, but uh, that was off white. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, there, there's other uh, big news with regards to the Vancouver retailer uh, retail scene specifically. We're talking about the upcoming opening of the Hermes Mega Store on Burrard in West Georgia. Look, anybody's walking by this, it's what, I think two stories. They've been working on this for uh, months and months right now. What can we expect when Hermes makes this big, big show in Vancouver with the new store? I mean, this is a really uh, good vote of confidence for Vancouver on the part of Hermes because uh, they'll be opening a large flagship store. Uh, you know, Hermes certainly does have a store currently at 755 Burrard Street at the corner of Alberni, so it's about... Uh, you know, 80 to 100 feet south of where the new store will be opening. And it's about 20, 2,300 square feet, I think. This new one will be about 6,000 square feet. And wow. uh, uh, it'll be stunning. I mean, it'll be similar to the uh, flagship that opened in Toronto last year, which includes, you know, a leather hand-stitched uh, um, railing on a, on a circular stairway. There's a great stairway at Tiffany right next door as well, uh, somewhat similar to that with uh, stone and marble and, you know, expect, you know, beautiful, you know, soaring high ceilings, uh, stunning interiors. Uh, it'll be a real showpiece. I mean, it's going to be a wonderful thing, I think, for Vancouver. And I think the store will probably do extremely well in terms of sales as well. What is, I guess, the state of the luxury store market here in Vancouver? We, we've had a lot of bit of uh, back and forth with regards to where it is right now. How is it that they've decided, you know, this is still a very viable market for them? It seems to be. I mean, there's been a bit of a downturn, uh, I've been told, in terms of some luxury sales, say, in that uh, Alberni Street area luxury zone, you know, where Hermes will be opening uh, September 13th, actually, I believe, is the opening date. Uh, Friday the 13th, I believe. <laughs> and why nice. no, it will yeah. be with the invitation said. Um, you know, some sales are down, but I don't think they're down a lot. Uh, I do, I did get the, I won't say the numbers, but I did get the sales numbers for whole Renfrew, and they are down just like a couple of percentage points from last year, but they're still ridiculously high, uh, which speaks to the value uh, that some are placing on um, big brands because, you know, whole Renfrew really uh, is basically almost like a shopping center in some respects. The brands operate stores inside and some of those brands do absolutely astronomical numbers. I mean, you know, Chanel does like, I think a quarter of the, all the sales in that store, which is, which is phenomenal. It's approaching hundred million dollars. So, um, yeah, no, uh, luxury retail in Vancouver is still going strong. Uh, there's a strong, you know, local population of wealthy people that are, uh, 
buying things. And then, you know, certainly there's still tourists that are coming in and shopping. But with certain crackdowns, you know, in China, not to mention some of these brands actually opening stores in China and, you know, uh, you know, looking at currencies and whatnot, it's whether or not Canada is a bargain, but also offers those brands. So uh, I, I think that in a market like Vancouver, that's very tourist driven. Uh, it does make sense for these brands to have flagship stores, because I think a clustering of flagship stores creates a special place that those luxury consumers are going to want to come and shop. And if you think about Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, you know, uh, Fifth Avenue, Madison Avenue, New York City. I mean, these are all these, you know, world-class centers for shopping. And I would say Vancouver is getting there as well. Yeah. How is its location, though, just just a block off of uh, Robson, essentially, maybe just a little bit more than that. But uh, it is just kind of a different location. Uh, Robson has been going through some transmogrifications over the last few years as well. Is that part of the appeal or are they just kind of on separate paths as well? Robson used to be kind of more the high-end sort of street. I think it's been changing uh, to more middle class to a certain degree. But what's your take on kind of these parallel developments going on uh, between these two neighboring areas? Yeah, I mean, they I'd say they operate in synergy, but separate at the same time. I mean, consumers now do cross shops. So someone that is buying something at... Uh, you know, say Gucci or Fendi, uh, you know, may also buy something at H&M or Uniqlo. So it does make sense to have that clustering of retail, uh, you know, having Robson Street on one block and then having that Alberni luxury zone, you know, literally touching it to the north. But at the same time, you know, the clustering of luxury stores that we're seeing uh, uh, around Alberni Street, Burrard and Thurlow Street, and now West Georgia, as, you know, Hermes comes on and Stefano Ricci and Chappard are uh, on that street. I think another one is coming as well. Uh, you know, that is very much a dedicated zone for these high-end brands, whereas Robson Streets, even though Ferragamo, you know, is on the 900 block, uh, which is definitely a luxury brand, we are seeing, you know, more of these mid-market retailers coming in. And, you know, they'll be announcing, for example, Koss is uh, going to be opening a store on Robson Street. It's an H&M uh, brand, you know, sort of higher-end uh, uh clothing it's a bit uh, you know funky and interesting looking but uh, yeah no I, I you know I think Rob, at least 1100 sorry the 1000 block of Robson Street uh, you know I think will continue to thrive and I think the 1100 block that's the one that uh, Muji and Ladilay are on uh, right. you know it's still got some vacancies uh, the lease rates are much lower than the 1000 block and then uh, hopefully things will pick up there I suspect they will with some redevelopment well, one of the other things that we are very curious about with regards to the retail landscape here is the YVR MacArthur Glen Outlet Store. They have some expansion plans. Uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of information, maybe your thoughts and opinions on maybe some of the new tenants that are coming in. What can we expect from the the expanded version of the outlet store that's you know uh, right by the airport? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I mean, the MacArthur Glen, I just want to get the tenant list up here. There's been a few new tenants that have been announced. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the center, it's really compelling with how it looks because, uh, you know, it's got a very upscale look to it. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, obviously an artificial environment because it was completely purpose built. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's been positioned as a luxury center. Uh, now, granted, I wouldn't uh, necessarily say that. Uh, oh, here we go. I've got the list now. Um, you know, if you look at the list of brands, I mean, they have announced that uh, Jimmy Choo will be opening a location there and that uh, Movado, the high-end watch store, will be opening there. But other tenants in the new expansion wing are going to include, you know, Adidas and uh, uh, Stuart Weitzman, which isn't a shabby brand. You know, I wouldn't put it quite in luxury category, but, uh, you know, the North Face, Jack and Jones, Starbucks, I mean, they're all fine and well. But, um, you know, I've been tracking the uh, movement of luxury brands in the outlet centers in Canada and, 
uh, you know, the Toronto premium outlets, it was pretty basic. You know, it had a few upscale retailers. I think it opened in 2014, but now it's become a real, you know, it's, it's, it's got a lot of luxury stores. Uh, you know, Saint Laurent is in there, uh, Giorgio Armani, uh, Gucci. I mean, it, it's really interesting. At the same time, the uh, designer outlets in Montreal, uh, Montreal premium outlet, uh, had lost a bunch of luxury stores. So I would expect uh, more luxury brands to come into MacArthur Glen. I, mean, I don't want to say that it's a uh, underwhelming uh, presentation of brands, but it certainly isn't up to the number of luxury stores that I had expected to see in that type of center, especially given what we see in other MacArthur Glen centers uh, over in Europe, where, you know, it, it's, you know, they're basically luxury paradise in terms of the brand offerings they've got there. Almost any brand you can think of is there. So uh, I would hope at some point that would happen in Vancouver. I mean, it's not like the demand isn't there. So, um, you know, we may see more, but I'm not privy to how the leasing is going there. But like I said, you know, I, I don't think the lineup is so stellar that, you know, the whole world is going to be coming to Vancouver to shop at that particular center. I, I, I just am curious. So like from the outside looking in, do you think it's a matter of some of these brands taking a wait and see approach? I mean, the mall's been there for years now, or do you think it's just maybe a, a matter of how enticing their offer is to some of these brands to come populate there is just like you said it's kind of weird where you know north face adidas yeah those are nice brands but is that what you typically associate with like a luxury outlet or a premium outlet mall well and we've had a similar conversation in edmonton as well with the quote-unquote premium outlets but you know and there are some good tenants in the macarthur Glen outlet but uh, I, I mean i don't know it's been announced yet that, you know, Secret Location will be uh, closing its outlet store there. Uh, they're a store from, you know, Gastown, but they've got a, a shop in MacArthur Glen. I believe Colton's uh, Couture was going to open there, and I think that some plans have been pulled for that as well. Um, I would have honestly expected far more big-name luxury brands to be at the MacArthur Glen outlet at this time because, uh, you know, like you said, it's been there for a few years. I think the proof of concept is there. They've known that this expansion was going to be there for a long time, and, uh it seems like, uh, you know, they haven't attracted a lot of the brands that I would have expected them to. They've also, you know, kept fairly quiet. I mean, I, no one's even reached out to me in terms of, uh, uh, you know, announcing any stores. They just kind of came out in, you know, Daily Hive and a few other publications, and I, and I don't know how they found out. Yeah. Well, what do you make of just, I, I guess, the logistics of it all? Because, look, they are right next to the SkyTrain station on, along the Catalan line. It's rapid transit. It's right there from the airports. Uh, is this something where you see even more potential behind what we've seen so far? Definitely. I would think so. I mean, uh, it's near an airport that uh, also has luxury stores in it, uh, really gorgeous ones. You know, Hermes is in there, Gucci and a few others. Uh, yeah, within the international terminal, or at least I should say the international area, if you call it, because I think Vancouver kind of has one terminal. Um, but, uh, you know, it is on the SkyTrain. It's near uh, an airport that has a lot of international visitors. Uh, it's not too far away from Richmond, which has, you know, a very brand-conscious uh, population, not to mention the west side of uh, Vancouver itself. So uh, I would think that we would see certainly more luxury brands at some point going in there. Uh, again, you know, I, I scratch my head a little bit, but... Uh, one interesting thing is, you know, right now, luxury in Vancouver is focused for the most part in the downtown core. I don't think that's going to be the case within five years. Uh, Brentwood Town Center, uh, I think being renamed the Amazing Brentwood, is signed on some uh, very, very high-end brands and is targeting more. And, and Oak Ridge Center is about to go under an incredible transformation that will make it, uh, I think, very much a world-class center. And they're definitely targeting some of the very big brands as well. Well. 
talking about brands, though, uh, tell me a little bit about this Japanese lifestyle brand that's making its entry into the Canadian market. What's going on here, uh, uh, Craig? It's interesting. I mean, we see a lot of international brands coming into Canada. We saw over 50 come into Canada in 2017, more than 30 in 2018, and I'm going to guess about 40 this year. So wow. uh, Puebco is the name. I probably didn't pronounce that right. Uh, I've only spelled the word, so I, don't, I haven't actually heard it spoken, but... Uh, um, it's, it's a sustainable uh, lifestyle brand. They basically uh, will either take salvage materials and make something uh, or they'll even, you know, I guess sort of self-bound items that maybe they'll repurpose. And you know, it's very much an eco brand, but it's also another international brand looking at coming into the Canadian market. And uh, well, I shouldn't say looking at it. It's opened a pop-up store in Toronto and they are looking eventually at, you know, doing pop-ups around the country to uh, build brand awareness and possibly even to do... Uh, uh, full standalone stores and permanent locations at some point. So I think that, you know, the brand is still in its infancy in terms of uh, opening permanent stores. But uh, given the excitement that the Canadian market has for these types of retailers, uh, you know, ones with inside eco-focus, uh, not to mention the kind of industrial chic of the uh, products that are in the stores. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw stores in Toronto and Vancouver uh, within the next three years for that brand. Hey, I, I'm a little ignorant to it as well, but if it's kind of repurposed material or, or products, I, I mean, are there going to be kind of distinct products depending on what market that they're operating in, or is it pretty uniform ac- across the global markets, uh, just their product offerings? It's kind of uniform. I mean, you have things like, uh, you know, interesting uh, kitchenware, uh, uh, you know, perhaps a table out of, uh, you know, salvaged wood, uh, you know, lamp standards, uh, uh, bags that are made out of, um, I think, parachute material. Is it parachute material or canvas? Anyways, it's sort of military-inspired uh, looks. Uh, if anyone's been to the Filson store, it's F-I-L-S-O-N store in Gastown. It kind of looks like the stuff that you would find in the Filson store, except that it's a cheaper price and not brand new. So, uh, you know, Filson is a popular brand, and, and Puebco could come in and, you know, certainly take some of their market share, for example, not to mention market share from you know, all kinds of other retailers, you know, selling home goods as well. Well, it's very interesting. We'll have to keep our eye on when we're going to see that launching in Vancouver as well. But in the meantime, Craig, as always, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Thank you for having me. That's Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief at RetailInsider.com. And that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. You can find our archives on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Share with your friends. It's going to help us reach even more people. For now, I'm Tyler Orton. Thanks for listening.